a stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Involved in the decision to close these lanes, he took appropriate action. Mastro was uh, announcing the findings of a taxpayer-funded report on the gridlock scandal. And another set of satellite images indicates there could be big debris field in the southern Indian Ocean. Possible that the Malaysian airliner that disappeared two and a half weeks ago could, could have caused that. But the pictures are over two weeks old, and it could be difficult to pinpoint where the objects are right now. Coming up on KSL News Radio, we'll check your KSL forecast next. KSL News Time, 603. I have a passion for the environment. That's why I mountain bike. I love being in the woods, on near vertical trails. I relish the challenge when I can appreciate the best nature has to offer. So it was only natural that I would choose a career in the elements where I can make a difference. That's why I serve in the United States Coast Guard. We monitor commercial vessels, making sure our ports and waterways are safe and clean from oil or other hazardous material. We patrol our fisheries, protect marine wildlife and their habitats. With all we do, it's about protecting America. This is a lot like mountain biking. It's always exciting to navigate through the next challenge. Were you born ready to protect America, our environment, our resources, our people? Learn more at GoCoastGuard.com. Sponsored by the United States Coast Guard in cooperation with the Utah Broadcasters Association and this station. Army Specialist Andrew Pike became paralyzed while serving in Iraq. Andrew and his father explained the impact of his injury. At first, you think, I want my son to be able to walk. My injury was a gunshot wound to the left abdomen from a sniper. My first contact with paralyzed veterans was in Walter Reed. Paralyzed Veterans National Service officers work with our injured veterans to ensure they get the benefits they have earned. NSO Michael Killen explains. We try to reassure them what benefits are out there, and we try to educate them and take some of that stress away from them. Paralyzed Veterans of America helped Andy get the auto housing and vocational benefits he earned. PVA did a fantastic job making sure that he got those benefits on a timely basis. Right now I'm going back to school to earn a degree, and I'm just spending time with my wife and child. To learn how you can help our paralyzed veterans, visit pva.org. A public service message from Paralyzed Veterans of America. Traffic and weather together brought to you by your Utah Toyota dealers. Uh, man, southbound I-15, just a mess, basically from downtown through the south interchange. And then again, we're looking at some really heavy conditions southbound by the point of the mountain. Also, northbound I-15 by the point of the mountain. That's no picnic either. So it's just, we think it's weather delays. There's no crashes being reported, but we think it's just weather delays that kind of slowed everything down and just made kind of everything a mess. Also, there's a crash in Ogden on Washington Boulevard at 8th Street, so you got to be careful there too. 
and your KSL forecast. Well, we are expecting a little bit of a break. However, rain and maybe some mountain snow on Sunday. But for tomorrow, we're looking at 59, 69 on Saturday. So it really warms up, and then it cools off after that. Not only Sunday, but maybe Tuesday we might have some storms too. But for right now in Salt Lake City, it's 44 degrees. You get the top stories every 30 minutes. Breaking news the second it happens. I'm Paul Nelson, KSL News Radio, 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Tonight, let me speak to the governor. Governor Gary Herbert spends one hour answering your questions. Call 801-575-8255. Live from the studios of KSL News Radio in Salt Lake City, in partnership with the Utah Broadcasters Association, it's Let Me Speak to the Governor. And good evening, I'm Maria Shaleos, along with Governor Gary Herbert this evening. The number for you to call, toll-free, if you have a question for the governor, one 575 or you can text us at 57500. And Governor, welcome back. Hey, it's great to be back, Maria. Nice to have you here. We haven't uh, spoken with you since the legislative session ended, so why don't you start, up, start out and give us uh, some reaction to the session this year. Well, the good news is we survived. Uh, We always survive. We always do, but we always wonder. Yeah. (laughs) You know, and so it's an interesting process. Um, There's some frustration that's exhibited in the process of 45 days of 104 strong personalities trying to find and do what the people of Utah want them to do. The number one issue that they face is balancing the budget, creating a budget. How do we spend the taxpayers' dollars? And as you do that, you prioritize um, based on your policy needs and desires. For example, this past session, we spent a lot of time in, in uh, talking about education and funding mm-hmm. education. $345 million, which is not a record, but it's pretty a large number. Uh, that took care of funding the growth in public education. It took care of the opportunity to increase the weighted pupil unit, which also ha- helps with teacher salaries. Uh, it, it, we put money into our higher education system uh, with what they call equity funding to make sure that we're being funded equally and equitably across the the uh, different colleges and universities. We put money into our UCAT system uh, to help them with an additional enrollment needs and capacity there, particularly as part of our goal of 66 by 2020. So the budget, I think, was finished at a very high note and a rational and responsible budget, emphasis on education, and with a key towards making sure that our economy continues to expand and grow in Utah. And it's doing a great job of that. As you know, we got some good news here just a couple of weeks ago where our unemployment rate had dropped now down to 3.9%. Uh, when I came into office, for context, it was at 8.4%. So now we're down to 39 and And there's reason to be optimistic that it's going to get even better over the next 12 months. So uh, I think all things considered, uh, the big winners of this legislative session are, as they should be, the Utah taxpayers. I think we had a great session in that regard. Yeah, we are seeing um, some tuition increases for higher education. Are Do you think those are appropriate? Well, of course, that's local decisions being made by the universities themselves and by our Board of Regents, and that's their job and responsibility. Uh, if we had Commissioner Bueller here to say uh, talk about it, he would say, it's a smaller increase than what we've had in the past, and so that's better than a larger increase. So uh, I guess we appreciate the the small blessings of a smaller increase. It's not as good as no increase, 
But again, with the demand being placed upon our institutions of higher learning uh, for not only uh, construction of new buildings to accommodate the increased capacity, the wave of new people coming into our universities, uh, uh, it's probably not surprising. The good news is that as we compare ourselves with other universities across this great nation, Utah's tuition is in the lower one-third. So we are still a pretty good bargain in comparison at our colleges and universities. The big concern, first of the year, of course, the air quality. We always have those inversions in January, which create a lot of concern. Were you happy with what the legislature accomplished with their measures this session? I think it was a good step in the right direction on many fronts. Um, I, uh, it's not a finished issue. Uh, we're not complete by any means of doing what we need to do. I was disappointed on two fronts. One, I was hopeful that we were going to put some money into uh, changing out our school buses, $14 million that needed to be put there to help us. Uh, they didn't pass the transit tax, which I think as an option, uh, where people could impose the tax upon themselves if they desire to help fund uh, transit and, and increase uh, help help us with the demand to eliminate tailpipes, which is the biggest culprit during inversions. And the other one that I was a little concerned they didn't pass was giving us more flexibility in the state to be to have more stringent requirements and rules and regulations as we see fit, uh, self-imposed requirements and regulations. I'm not a big one-size-fits-all guy, and I don't like it when the federal government does it and makes it too tough and we don't like it, but we ought to have the flexibility to make it tougher if we want. And so those are kind of the three areas that I think we were a little deficient on. That being said, you know, we've made some significant strides forward, uh, uh, and we're well, we're going to have some efforts on eliminating of wood burning in our fireplaces and stoves. Uh, we're going to be working with industry. Uh, they're going to be spending tens of millions of dollars to help us meet the SIP requirements by the EPA and the Clean Air Act uh, to have best available technology. Um, so I think on all fronts, you know, we have a significant step forward, but we still have a ways to go to get to where we need to be. Legislature did not take any action on Medicaid, Medicaid expansion, but I know that you have had representatives from the state in Washington. Tell us about those talks and where you hope that we're going with that. Well, uh, I asked for two things, really. One, don't tie my hands and give me an opportunity to go out there and negotiate what I think is a common sense solution that kind of solves the dilemma for all sides of the issue, and that is let us take the money that would be coming back into what we would call Medicaid expansion. That's $258 million that the federal government would put into a full Medicaid expansion. And let us put into an alternative program called Healthy Utah, which I believe has the opportunity to have a better program with better outcomes and better service and better quality of health care coverage. Medicaid actually has limitations, and some people don't like Medicaid. It's better than nothing, but they don't like the service and the quality. And so our Healthy Utah plan, patterned after other states and some of the flexibility they're receiving in, say, like Arkansas or Indiana, provides us with an opportunity to spend our money and and spend it in more effective and efficient ways when it comes to helping the people in need. So uh, I'm optimistic that we're going to be able to find... uh, you know, an agreement with the Obama administration, the Department of Health, for this kind of new opportunity, new approach, a different way to to solve the problem. And at the end of the day, uh, my argument is it really is about the people. Uh, 
We ought to be trying to help those people who need a little helping hand. And it shouldn't be about, uh, you know, process. If we can find a different way to skin the cat, then let us skin the cat our way, which gives us the same right, uh, correct outcome. And I think the Obama administration is certainly at this particular time willing to address and accept more flexibility to the states, not just Utah, but all the states. And I think that's a good sign and a, and a good uh, opportunity for us today. We now have some, some of our texters asking questions about the session. Uh, the first question, uh, one of our texters says, can state workers get more than a 1% raise? Well, they can. There is some flexibility inside the departments themselves where they can reward outstanding performance. But it's a 1.25% kind of across-the-board raise for people. They can make some adjustments and some internal decisions. I don't want to micromanage mm-hmm. different departments and divisions. We're also paying the retirement and uh, their benefit package. So the rising costs that happened there are also being absorbed and taken care of by the taxpayer. So it's not just a 1.25% increase in their salary. It's also taking care of some of their benefit package, too. And so, again, uh, we've got great state employees. Uh, they deserve to be paid fairly and compensated fairly, and that includes salary take-home as well as benefit package added together. And, again, I, I feel that this was a good step in the right direction. Next texter asking, uh, will you sign SB 122 into law to help protect parental rights in our children's education? You know, we're looking at all the bills, and... Uh, we have 486 bills, I think, is the number that was passed. And, um, uh, you know, we we track them. It's not like this is the first time we've seen the bill, but they actually were delivered mostly all to us last Friday. And so our team is looking at them and going through them with a fine-tooth comb to analyze whether they are good policy. Sometimes we have people that uh, present bills, we track it, and we find out that when they draft the bill and when it comes out and it's finished product, it has an unintended consequence that we need to work with the sponsor of the bill. So this particular bill, I think, was sponsored by Senator Aaron Osmond, and we'll be talking to him and other sponsors of other bills as we go through this process to make a determination. Do we sign it? Do we veto it? Or do we let it go into law without my signature? Those are the three options that every bill that comes across my desk have, and, and 122 is no different. The next question is about Common Core, and I'll phrase this the way they phrased it. Um, are you, ex- you are accepting, they say, the federal takeover of public schools, Common Core, and preschool at three years old, and they want to know why? Well, that's not true. We're not accepting anything coming from the federal government from the standpoint of dictating to Utah uh, what our curriculum is. Uh, uh, what textbooks we use, or what our testing is going to be. That's controlled by our local school boards. It's controlled by Utah. It has been and will continue to be controlled by Utah. So I think there's a concern that we all share, and that is, is there an overreach by the federal government? And we need to be concerned about that and, I guess, be wary. In that vein, I actually had legislation introduced last session that has been passed and put on the books as part of our statute that says if, in fact, there is something that we've missed, that there's somehow something of an overreach where the federal government is going to come in and tell us how to do things, we, in fact, will reject that and get out of any system that would compel us to do that. So there's protections already in the law. People get confused, I think, sometimes with the standards which have come out of the Common Core. We've, we call it Utah Core. 
which is a, a common goal that states have had to raise the bar when it comes to uh, math and language arts, reading. And I think everybody recognizes that uh, our country has been falling a little bit behind the rest of the world when it comes to outcomes and performance with our education. That being the case, the fact that we have a common standard, and I would suggest to anybody who has a concern to read the standards that Utah has put out there by our, our own uh, local, or excuse me, our state school board and our local school boards and see if there's some standard they don't agree with. If there is, let me know, but I think the standards are not the problem. And don't be confused with the standards versus the curriculum. That's a different issue. The standards, I think, are common uh, to other states, about 45 of them, but our curriculum and our methodology of how we reach those standards is our own and will continue to be our own, and we will reject any kind of federalization or dictation to us from outside sources. We will control our own destiny in Utah. One final question before we take a break, Governor, and that is, will you sign SB 57, the Autism Insurance Bill, into law? Uh, again, like all bills, we're taking a look at that and reviewing the circumstances and making sure that the intent of what the bill was designed to do is uh, going to be what we think the implementation of the bill will, will cause. And uh, so we look at unintended consequences and we look at the fiscal notes and the costs and what will happen. I, I think the mandatory requirements of autism are probably a good thing. Whether it actually solves the problem over and above our pilot program is somewhat of a question, but I'm going to be meeting with the sponsors on that one also. And again, you're listening to Let Me Speak to the Governor, one 575 the number to call in for our stations online with Utah Radio Broadcasters Network. We'll be taking a four-minute break. That's right, it's me again. And it's time to think seriously about your lawn and how to rejuvenate it. I have some advice. Save some money and do it yourself. J&J Garden Center and Layton can help with their five-step fertilizer program. Improve and strengthen your lawn with J&J's own custom fertilizer products covering up to 10,000 square feet. That's double the coverage of any other lawn care program for just $129.98. And at J&J Garden Center, you're assured of expert advice from those who know lawns best. So, for a lush, healthy lawn, it's J&J Garden Center's five-step fertilizer program. Take the Leighton Parkway exit, Main Street to Gentile, then west two miles. You've got to see it to believe it. You really do. Country grown to your home, J&J Garden Center. When you're 50 or over, some things in life just make sense. Like how the Beatles will always sound better on vinyl than on an iPod. Or why transistor radio was so cool. You know what it was like to drag State Street and how it felt to dial a rotary phone. You donned a baby blue tux, had a perm, and you know who put the bump in the bump a bump a bump. Sure, you've seen a lot in life, but there's still so much more to experience. So get a colonoscopy. You see, colon cancer affects both women and men, but it can be prevented with a simple screening, and it's highly treatable when found early. So talk to your doctor and get screened, because for you, a colonoscopy is like pet rocks and lava lamps. It makes sense. If you're 50 or over, get a colonoscopy and stick around for the next set of memories to come. A message from the Utah Cancer Action Network and Utah Department of Health. 
So you say you're looking for a new car, but not just any new car. You've driven your last hand-me-down. You want a car that's sporty and a little bit different, but you need four doors. Great styling and, of course, high quality. You would also like to have great handling, exhilarating acceleration, and a rockin' Bose surround sound system that works with your Bose Bluetooth, leather seating, and dual climate control. Of course, a moonroof, XM radio, all-wheel drive. Infinity has beautiful styling, outstanding quality, plus everything you mentioned. And you don't have to be a zillionaire to drive one. However, people will wonder. At Tim Dalian Infinity, you can lease the all-new Q50 offer for only $379 per month. Or lease the acclaimed all-wheel drive G37X sedan for only $289 per month. Yes, Tim Daly Infinity. Great quality, terrific styling, all-wheel drive, great service, and more starting at just $289 per month. Grammy-nominated Joe Bonamassa, hailed as one of the world's greatest guitar players. Blues rock titan Joe Bonamassa performs his unique acoustic and electric concert. Performing live Sunday, March 30th at Abravanel Hall, Salt Lake City, Utah. Tickets on sale now at arctics.org. Joe Bonamassa, performing live Sunday, March 30th at Abravanel Hall, Salt Lake City, Utah. Joe Bonamassa, don't miss your chance to experience the concert event of the year. The governor answers your questions. Utah's most important issues on Let Me Speak to the Governor. And I'm Maria Shaleos, along with Governor Gary Herbert. That number for you to call if you have a question, one 575 8255 Or you can text your questions at 57500, and we'll get to as many of them as possible. Let's take a call now from David in Salt Lake City, Governor. And good evening, David. Hi, thanks for taking my call. And Governor, I want, as a school bus driver, I want to thank you for your uh, support for that bill to replace some of the older buses and such. But, thank you. Um, well, we hope we get around to doing that. I think that's it didn't happen right now in this budget, but I think that's going to happen uh, over this next year. Well, I'm looking forward to it. My question, um, and what you said just before the break really uh, ties in with my question. Uh, you mentioned the <clears throat> intent of bills and the unintended consequences, and I think a perfect example that needs that, uh, examine, that kind of examination that I really applaud that uh, you do is House Bill 101. It was sold as a bill uh, to stop handling, um, which we do absolutely need to do something about. I've got a brother who's facing addiction problems, is constantly flagging for the next fix and such, and I know how dangerous it is. I know what that situation is, but Household 101 is not situ- is not the remedy. If you look at 36 through 39, the line 36 through 39 in the bill, you see in the existing code that panhandling is already illegal. What House Bill 101 will do is the unintended consequences of banning political honking waves. Now, I think we need more visible civic engagement and participation not less in Utah. It'll also put sign twirlers out of 
out of work. You know, some of those people that are really on the margin working for uh, new home developments, tax repairs, cell phone, you know, and pizza places. Mm -hmm. And a lot of those, they'll be put out of work by Houseville 101 and then encouraged to, you know, go begging or panhandling. Sorry, I'm a little out of breath. I'm <laughs> working. David, anyway, tell me, tell me uh, uh, what yeah. the lines are again. I'll, I'm going to go back and review Line this. Line 36. Through 39, Three, six, three 101. Okay. That's the so-called panhandling bill. Right. Which panhandling is already illegal, and those lines right there of the existing code show it. This will put um, people in the margin out of work and put them back on the public dole uh, to rely on welfare that are out there that may not, in other words, get jobs like yeah. down, you know, the Little Caesars on 2030s, you know, who had some appears to have you know, problems, and there's a lot of people, I don't want to see them out of work. I encourage you to veto this bill, and uh, we need to step up and enforce on panhandling. That's the solution, not this bill. Well, let me take a look at it, David. I appreciate your interest and concern. And, and um, yeah, I, I can see us getting rid of the honking waves and the politicians, <laughs> but, mm. but the, the, the sign twirlers, you know, that help us know where pizza's on sale for nine ninety nine or whatever. I, I'll take a look at that and see. I think the biggest issue for some is the uh, personal safety, uh, public safety yeah. issues. We have people that get out there and... You've probably been accosted by some uh, on washing your windshield in the middle of the street, and and they get in the way, and there's a public safety issue. And so that's a legitimate concern. Um, sometimes it's, it's the obnoxiousness that we don't like, but that maybe shouldn't be outlawed. So I appreciate your concern, and I'll take a look at that before I make a decision and weigh in the balance, you know, the pros and cons. I look forward to that. Thank you. Thank you. All right, Governor, I'd like to try and squeeze in Al. He's been waiting here for quite some time. He's in Provo. And, Al, we have just a couple minutes before the bottom of the hour break. What can we help you with? I'll be real quick, Maria, and good, good evening, Governor. Anyhow, I know you signed into law recently a law stating that uh, 11-year-olds uh, uh, can hunt provided that uh, without a permit, provided that they are accompanied by an adult, but 12-year-olds can if they pay a $10 and take a course. I'm just wanting to ask. It's a fine line between age 11 and 12. I know we want to get kids interested, but uh, would it be good if they take the course or else kind of widen the early age gap with, with parental accompaniment, say, 10 or 11-year-olds? You you know, we've had a little bit of discussion preliminarily about this very issue, and uh, clearly taking the hunter safety course is, a, I think, a good thing. If you're going to go out and hunt in the outdoors and uh, shoot at uh, game, deer hunt, elk hunt, uh, whatever, I think having that hunter safety course is a positive step in the right direction. Uh, there's some concerns about uh, whether we can get people out involved in the outdoors. There seems to be a, a dwindling number of fathers and sons and fathers and daughters and mothers and sons and mothers and daughters, for that matter, going out and participating in hunting. There's a significant effort to increase our herds, conservation efforts, which we're having some great success with. And so we think that, you know, having people get outdoors and not be couch potatoes is a part of that effort. I think that's the driving force behind letting younger people uh, go out there without having to have had the hunter safety course or have some kind of a license. Now, there's, you know, pros and cons on that, and that's part of the discussion. Um, and when you draw a line, it's always somebody says, well, gee, uh, I have to be 16 to have a driver's license? Uh, why not 15 or why not 17? It's the same thing with hunting and, and your license to hunt, whether it be uh, deer, whether it's pheasants or whatever it is, 
there's an age limit. You have to pick and choose one number. Does it work for, in all cases? Probably not. Uh, but you have to if you're going to have a license requirement, then you have to draw the line somewhere. But uh, again, I, it's something we've already talked about. Is this really good policy? And uh, that's what I'm going to have to decide when I look at it overall on balance. Is it good policy? Should I sign it or should I, in fact, veto? Okay. Thank you, Governor. Thank you. And you were listening to Let Me Speak to the Governor. The number to call one triple eight five seven five eight two five five, or you can text us your questions at five seven five zero zero. We are going to be taking a five minute break for our stations along the Utah Radio Broadcasters Network, and we'll be right back. It's six thirty in the KSL twenty four hour news center. I'm Paul Nelson, KSL's top local story this hour. Well, spring is here. It means some pretty crazy weather. Brianna, KSL's Brianna Bodley has more. Just two days ago, we saw temperatures above 70. Now, northern Utah is covered in icy road warnings and snowy mountain passes. It's icy, snowy. It was crazy. That was Debbie Waters right after she made it out of Parley's Canyon this morning. She says her commute took three times as long. It was backed up for miles. Miles. UDOT's John Gleason says quickly changing weather is more than normal in Utah Springs and drivers need to slow down. Waters says she couldn't agree more. Take triple the time, go really slow. Gleason says he sees more fatalities in spring than winter because people go too fast. Brianna Bodley, KSL News Radio. A unique discovery for a Salt Lake couple near 500 South and 2nd West. Salt Lake Police Detective Veronica Montoya says they found some interesting-looking bones. I guess they were digging for a pond. Came to a point where they discovered the bones. Um, they weren't sure what to do. They weren't sure if they were human, so they ended up calling officers. Detective Montoya says the responding officer also thought the bones were human and called a medical examiner to the scene. The officer thought the bones looked old, but the medical examiner's office will determine the age. <laughs> Politics on KSL News Radio. President Obama met with Pope Francis for the first time today. The one hour visit was in private, but the president had not been shy in, in his admiration for the Pope. ABC's Ann Compton has more. There are two issues on which President Obama particularly admires what he calls the Pope's courage in speaking out. One is lifting the poor from poverty. The second is the Pope's remark, who is he to judge in the context of gays? The president tells an Italian interview, the Pope's voice is one the world needs to hear. Coming up on KSL News Radio, we'll check your KSL forecast next. KSL News Time, 632. is Utah's largest factory-authorized fitness equipment liquidator. So what does all that mean to you? It means you'll find more treadmills, more ellipticals, more spin bikes, and more home gym equipment than any other local retailer, and it's all discounted up to 70% off. Nobody beats a ShapeUp Outlets price ever, and that includes the Internet. In fact, ShapeUp Outlets is so confident in their pricing that if you find the same product at a lower price from any other retail source, ShapeUp Outlets will beat it, period. That's not all. On top of the lowest price anywhere, you get personal service to custom fit the equipment to your specific stride pattern, pedal stroke, and body dynamics. Try finding that on the Internet. Yes, there's more. You'll get an assembled machine with free lifetime warranty on all drive motors and metal frames. And if your equipment ever needs servicing, bring it back to the ShapeUp outlet you bought it from. And their in-house technicians get it done. There's just no way to beat ShapeUp outlets for name brand fitness equipment. Google ShapeUp outlets for locations and hours. Shape up your bod without spending a wad. 
It's the 9th Annual Wasatch Fly Tying and Fly Fishing Expo with tying and casting demonstrations, how-to classes, workshops, and casting competitions on two indoor ponds. Utah's largest fly fishing event with over 60 industry vendors, guides, lodges, and fishing trips to make this your best fishing year yet. Don't miss the annual reception and banquet with this year's featured guest speaker and fly tire, Charlie Craven. This includes a special Trout Unlimited presentation, drawings, live and silent auctions, and more. The 9th Annual Wasatch Fly Tying and Fly Fishing Expo happens on March 28th and 29th at the Southtown Expo Center. Tickets are just 5 bucks for adults, 15 and under, free. Proceeds from the Wasatch Expo support education and conservation efforts of Utah's Trout Unlimited and Federation of Fly Fishers. Don't miss the 9th Annual Wasatch Fly Tying and Fly Fishing Expo, March 28th and 29th at the Southtown Expo Center. For all the information, Go to WasatchExpo.com or like them on Facebook.com slash Wasatch Expo. Traffic and weather together. Well, we got a couple of crashes. For example, southbound I-15, um, pretty close. To it. This is in Draper. Looks like it's around 118th south. Doesn't seem like it's a too big of a deal. Also, westbound I-80, kind of close to the marina. It looks like there's a problem there. But again, not a major problem. Get the dream car and the dream rate with an auto loan from Mountain America with APRs as low as 2.74 OAC. Apply today at macu.com. And your KSL forecast. It's going to be cloudy tomorrow, high of around 59, 69 on Saturday, and then rain on Sunday. Pick up Pizza Hut's $8.99 dinner box today. Get a medium one-topping pizza, breadsticks, and cinnamon sticks all in one awesome box. Carry out only Monday through Thursday, only at Pizza Hut. You get the top stories every 30 minutes. Breaking news the second it happens. I'm Paul Nelson, KSL News Radio, 102.7 FM and 1160 AM, Utah's news, traffic, and weather station. Reach out to Governor Herbert. Text 57500 or call him at 801-575-8255. It's Let Me Speak to the Governor. And welcome back to Let Me Speak to the Governor. And let's take a call right off the bat from Dane, who's been waiting very patiently. And Dane, what can we help you with this evening? Hey, my question is... um, what about those e-cigarettes? I've been hearing like some rumors about like bang banning them from the shelves and everything. So I was just wondering because I'm an e e-cig smoker and I was just wondering what the um policies that you guys are doing right now. I think Dane, the policy is really the status quo. Uh, there's been discussion in the legislature, but I don't think any bills passed. Uh, there, there's debate on whether there should be more regulation, better parameters, again, making sure that particularly with the young people that access to e-cigarettes is restricted. Uh, there's concerns about taxation. Are we taxing similarly to regular cigarettes? So there's certainly been a lot of discussion, but I don't think, I don't know of any bill that's passed that would uh, create a uh, a banning of e-cigarettes. So, but I think uh, if you have got concerns, you ought to talk to your legislator and see. I, I think there's going to be ongoing discussion about uh, regulations and framework and, and policy from the standpoint of access by our minor population. Okay. All right, Dane, thank you for your call. Uh, Governor, one of our texters wanted to know, they, uh, this texter feels like most of the road money has been spent south of Salt Lake City and I-15, and they're wondering when money is going to be spent on lanes in both directions between Brigham City and Ogden. This texter saying he can't remember the last time 
he was able to go the speed limit in that area. You know, that's really is a bottleneck up there and with the population growth and uh, commerce between Davis County and and Weber County and here in Salt Lake County, it, it is an issue. The Legacy Highway that we did up there, of course, was designed to help eliminate some of the congestion. But there's right. I think the observation is that we keep uh, finding pockets of need and we then address them. The last pocket of need was to reconstruct through uh, Utah County. Uh, we've had uh, significant work done here, particularly in the uh, uh, 2001, 2002 mm-hmm. here along Salt Lake County and significantly improved the roads here. I mentioned Legacy Highway in Davis County and what we've done up in Weber County. And it kind of rotates back and forth because you have finite amounts of money. Uh, We have a transportation commission, though, that's designed to take the politics out of it and address the needs wherever they may be in our state and prioritize uh, how we spend those monies in the areas that have the most pressing need. So I wouldn't be surprised if our Transportation Commission and, and the legislature will, in fact, go to those areas where we have a, a big bottleneck, and certainly Brigham City and Ogden and those areas and coming southward are prime candidates for additional money. We have Rob on the line who has a question about education. And, Rob, what is your question? So my question is, with the student-to-teacher ratio being one of the highest in the nation, that funding that was allocated towards education, is something that can go towards reducing that student-to-teacher ratio in Utah? Uh, the answer is it may in some areas. It's, it, you know, different demographics and different growth uh, pressures uh, are not the same. Uh, you could be down in a Garfield County where they may be losing population. Some areas that actually are closing schools because they don't have enough students. And other areas along the Wasatch Front where they're growing by leaps and bounds. Uh, so, again, the local school districts have the ability to spend the money as they see fit. And uh, reducing classroom sizes is certainly one of the areas they'd like to see done. We follow a uh, the recommendations in my budget and the legislature pretty well has followed the same thing, the recommendations from the education folks, and saying, what are your priorities? The first priority, the number one priority, was to fund the growth. And so sixty, about $64, $65 million is the first thing off the top of the additional monies that we have to fund growth. They didn't ask to reduce the classroom sizes, which would be another step, because it it fell below the priorities of increasing the WPU, the weighted pupil unit, which is another $62 million, and equity funding that we needed to have to help with our transition from high school graduation into college and universities and applied technology uh, college, and that's another $60 million that have been put there. The other uh, requirement, uh, desire from the education folks was to increase funding for STEM education, science, technology, engineering, and math, and that was another $20 million. And then another demand was for new buildings, new construction to accommodate the, like at Weber State University, the new science building. So another, you know, probably 60 or $70 million there. So after you go through those priorities, you find out you run out of money and there's no additional dollars to spend. We spend $345 million. But you'll see some reduction in classroom in some parts of the state and some not. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. 
Well, since we're on the topic of education, one of our texters would like to know what your feelings are on all-day kindergarten and possibly public preschool. You know, I, I think early intervention is a, an important principle. Uh, and the earlier we can intervene with our young people and help them learn, uh, and that's not only principles but values, but reading, writing, arithmetic, those basic fundamental aspects of education, uh, the better off they are going to be. The question really is who's going to intervene. Uh, in an ideal world, it ought to be parents. Parents ought to be the first teachers of our young people from their birth till when they enter into the public school system. Uh, again, we recognize there are not perfection out in the families and in unique circumstances. We have a lot of children out there that we call at risk. Hence the why I've supported early intervention with the local school districts deciding what that early intervention ought to be. They ought to decide how to spend the taxpayers' dollars. They have local school boards elected by the people, so they're accountable to the people. And uh, uh, extended all-day kindergarten is a part of early intervention for at-risk. It's an optional program, not mandatory. But there's also computer software that's designed to actually be taken into homes, and there's opportunities if school districts choose to have early intervention for at-risk children. In their own in their own homes, so I am a believer in early intervention. Where we get a little bit of controversy is who's going to intervene. It ought to be first and foremost parents and guardians, and then the schools themselves. And certainly kindergarten is an uh, an ideal place. I'm not as much into pre uh, kindergarten, mainly because I think it becomes very expensive. It's just hard for us to afford that when we have all these other needs and. Uh, I know the president has talked about spending and having another entitlement program of of uh, pre-kindergarten. I just think it's uh, a financially a problem, and it's not something that we can afford to do. We have uh, Todd, who's been waiting up in Logan to ask a question. Question, And, Todd, what can we help you with this evening? Uh, Governor, uh, thanks for taking my call. Thank you, Todd. Uh, I I understand why you're not going to accept the full Medicaid expansion the way it is because of the government restrictions. What I don't understand is when you went to Washington, D.C., you asked for money for the drought relief. Now, did you ask them, I'll take the money without restrictions, or did you get asked the money with restrictions? And if not... What's the difference? Well, how you've phrased it, there probably is no difference. Uh, I think the intent of my administration, and it should be the intent of every elected official, is when we extract money, and it's it's not voluntary, it's we put a gun to your head and say you will give us part of your hard-earned money in the form of taxes or fees, that we have an obligation to find the most efficient and effective way to spend that money. Uh, the alternative to Medicaid expansion is an example. Most people recognize that Medicaid has got its own share of problems, that we don't have good service and good medical care. Some doctors won't even take it. A better system I think we can develop called Healthy Utah, uh, which will allow us to have private insurance, provide you with better health care, and, be- and those who need an assistance uh, to have a better outcome. Using the same taxpayers' dollars, by the way, is just redirected into a better program. I think that's smart and common sensible. The drought issue was one where the president invited me into a meeting that he hosted. And he said, I've got a concern about drought. I've got a concern about drought in the West. 
and he had some of his uh, staff members uh, show us some of the graphs and pictures and data, uh, again, uh, about what was taking place, particularly in California, he pointed out, and some other parts of the Intermountain West. And the question wasn't a matter of us asking for more drought money. It was a matter of what are we going to do going forward, anticipating a continuation of drought. How do we find the most uh, uh, cost-effective way to deal with it? He had talked about uh, possibly having increased capacity. So in years of plenty, when we have a lot of snow melt and runoff, that we can capture it in our reservoirs and, and be able to distribute it through our canals and ditches and irrigation system. I had simply suggested that one area where he could uh, accomplish that goal would be to complete the Central Utah Water Project. We're about 90%. It's been an ongoing issue for many, many years. And yet every year when they put together their budget, it ends up being on the chopping block. And I'm saying if you really believe in having additional capacity, the Central Utah Water Project is where we ought to do that. So, again, we're not asking for more money. Uh, We're saying that the monies that are available for disaster relief, uh, we would like to have flexibility on it in in collaboration with other states. We have shared responsibilities. We have shared opportunities where we go to, we went to Colorado, for example, last year. Our uh, firefighters and emergency uh, personnel and public safety people went there and helped uh, Colorado. If we have a need, we'll expect and hope that they'll come and help us. But there's no difference. We'd like to have flexibility uh, when we spend the money and we have a shared responsibility. Give us maximum flexibility because we know our backyard better than anybody, better than the people in Washington. Uh, Governor, the next person on the line is Brett in Salt Lake City, and good evening, Brett. Uh, good evening, Gun- Governor. Thank you for taking my call. I, I'm asking a question on H. Bill 105 you just signed for children with uh, Caesars. Oh, the the can- cannabis oil bill? Right. Hey, uh, do you know if there's medical research on stroke victims where, they, uh, where their brain isn't firing uh, in all the right ways, and they get pins and needles on one side of their body. It's almost like someone's poking them from the inside out. Uh, I've heard rumors in Colorado that they've tried mar- medical marijuana, and it's helped them with the, those symptoms. And I mm-hmm. wondered if you've heard anything about that, and if you can uh, give me some information on that. Sure. Y- you know, that might even help adults too you know yes i think we're on kind of the frontier of what is the medical purpose for cannabis oil or hemp or probably even other uh, uh, medica- medications out there i'm not a doctor i don't play one on tv uh, i listen to people give comment when they came to the legislature there was a, a number of anecdotal stories and some research about helping with epilepsy and those yeah. that have seizures I've heard there's some discussion about can it help maybe with MS. Uh, there are probably yeah. other utilizations of it. Uh, I, I'm not privy to any scientific studies I can refer you to, but I expect you're going to see more and more discussion about the medicinal purposes of this drug and any other drug. Let me just conclude by saying the point of this is it should be medicinal. There should be a medical need and, and a benefit exactly. that comes from using it, not just the idea of I want to get high which I think I the people of Utah reject. So I think there needs to be more study. We're concerned about making sure that there is scientific evidence behind it, that the substances being given out are quality, 
that the, when you receive cannabis oil, you're getting good quality cannabis oil, and in fact, uh, that uh, the, the 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 substance is controlled and prescribed by a, a appropriate health officials, whether it be a prescription eventually from a doctor or or a pharmacy. There needs to be some control of that. That's the path we're going down to, and what it expands into, you know, I'm not certain, but I think there's a lot of interest now uh, with this issue in other arenas of health, uh, such that you've just mentioned. Well, thank you for signing that, Bill, because I, I really look forward to uh, helping these young kids and people that uh, have seizures, uh, because it, uh, it's just so difficult for a parent to be able to... Uh, take care of a child like that. And if it's going to help, I say, great. And yeah. keep, keep the uh, medical research coming on. I think that's Thank right. You. Who knows what we'll find. But I, we're on the right road on this. We're being methodical and careful. That bill went through nine revisions to get it right. And it will open the door for other opportunities, I'm certain, as we go forward in, in an appropriate way. So weigh in on it. Talk to your legislator. Let them know they did the right thing. And you were listening to Let Me Speak to the Governor here on KSL News Radio. Um, this is held along the Utah Radio Broadcasters Network. And, Governor, I'd like to thank a few of our stations here. We have KVNU in Cache Valley, KOAL and KRB, KARB in Price, KLCY in Vernal. And we have uh, radio stations in Manti and Richfield as well, and KYCN in Moab. And if I've missed you, I'll make sure and let us know, and we'll mention you next time around. And again, you're listening to Let Me Speak to the Governor along the Utah Radio Broadcasters Network. We'll be back in four minutes. I'm Tom Shane, and you wouldn't buy a house just by looking at the real estate listing. You need to see the house to know its true condition. Likewise, you can't tell if a diamond has any sparkle just by looking at its lab certificate. Diamonds with the same lab grade have different amounts of sparkle depending both on their cut and where the inclusions are located inside the diamond. Most other jewelers buy their diamonds based on lab grade without seeing how much they sparkle. At Shane Company, we go to the diamond cutters where the diamonds are first sorted by grade and then we hand pick the diamonds with the most sparkle from within each grade. You'll see that Shane Company diamonds sparkle more than other jewelers' diamonds with the same lab grade. Shane Company, direct diamond importers, at the corner of State Street and 7200 South. Open weekdays till 8, Saturday till 5, close Sundays. Online at shaneco.com. They say that in a small town, everyone knows everything about everyone. But that's not how the citizens of Granite Flats, Colorado feel. It's 1963, and in the midst of the Cold War, the town is harboring more secrets than it used to. Who can be trusted? An all-new season of BYU TV's hit drama series, Granite Flats, brings back the three young amateur detectives, the police chief, the FBI, the doctors at the hospital, and the rest of the citizens as their town becomes a hotbed of mystery and intrigue. And they'll get more than they bargained for as they dig for the truth about each other's loyalties. From the mystery of the missing satellite to the curious experiments going on at the hospital to the threat of spies lurking around town, Granite Flats is not as safe as it once was. See if you can figure out who to trust when Granite Flats Season 2 premieres Sunday, April 6th, on BYU TV. The deadline to sign up for health insurance to avoid paying a penalty is March 31st. If you think that seems scary close, you're only half right. 
Select Health is taking the fear out of the deadline with our last chance enrollment fair, where you'll find fun games, food, and prizes. Even more importantly, you'll find experts on hand to help you shop and compare plans. March 28th and 29th at the Select Health offices at 5300 South. Walk in without coverage, walk out with a plan. Visit selecthealth.org slash forum to RSVP. Hello, Utah. Willie Ford Lincoln and Willie Honda are now Performance Honda and Performance Ford Lincoln. They're part of the Performance Autoplex up in Bountiful off exit 315. So come celebrate our grand opening with employee pricing on everything. Just like you're an employee of ours, employee pricing on all new cars, new trucks, used cars, everything. Don't crawl, don't walk, run to exit 315 where you can come visit the brand new Performance Honda and Performance Ford Lincoln or visit us at shopperformance.com. Looking for a new home in South Jordan? Candlelight Homes has opened a brand new community on Redwood Road in 9800 South named Santorini Village. This family-friendly community is new homes surrounded by parks, playgrounds, and trails for your entire family to enjoy. Candlelight Homes is building new homes from 160000 to 400000 Santorini Village is in Utah's hottest zip code, South Jordan. Candlelight Homes is the only home builder in Utah that includes smart home technology in every home, allowing you to control your home from your phone. Turn your lights on and off. See who's at your front door, control your security system, and even your smart thermostat, all from your own phone, included with every new Candlelight Home. As Utah's premier home builder, the Candlelight Homes team has been building incredible communities along the Wasatch Front for over 20 years. Visit CandlelightHomes.com to check out Candlelight's 35 distinctive home designs and 18 communities along the Wasatch Front, including Santorini Village. CandlelightHomes.com What's your question for Governor Herbert? Call 801-575-8255. This is Let Me Speak to the Governor. And thank you so much for all of your great calls and texts and questions. And, of course, Governor, there are so many this evening. We're not going to get to all of them. But you were mentioning that people don't have to wait a whole month to have their questions answered. That's right. We have a constituent service line that they can contact our staff people and send emails and actually voice messages, and they'll respond back. And they just call area code 801-538-1000. 538-1000, ask for constituent services. If they got a question or comment, we're happy to take that. We want to hear from the people. We want to hear their perspective. All right, this is the segment, the last segment of the show, where we like to do a little speed round, ask you a few quick questions. And the first one is, NCAA tournament taking place. Okay, be honest with us. Did you pick BYU to beat Oregon last week? <laughs> well, you know, I did attend. To be political. I, I went to Brigham Young <laughs> University, and so my heart got in the way of my head. I knew they were going to have a difficult time anyway. But when Collinsworth got hurt, uh, they, they just had no chance. I should not have picked them over Oregon, but I did. Mm-hmm. Because you're loyal, and that's what I'm I would have just, done, too. Because my heart is big. You have to go with the team you're loyal to. So who is in your Final Four, and which team did you pick to win it all? You know, I think Florida is going to win it. Uh, and I had Florida, Michigan State, Arizona, and Duke. Uh, Duke's let me down. But uh, I think Florida will win it. Uh, I think Arizona's a little overrated. Um, uh, it could be Florida or Michigan, but I've gone with Florida. Okay, Springs here. What is your least favorite spring cleaning job? Uh, any and all of the spring cleaning <laughs> I don't like to do. But uh, it's a necessary thing. But I hate cleaning out the garage, but it's it seems like it piles <laughs> up during the winter. One of those things you just have to get done. Plus, you have to sweep it out because it's really yucky. I know, it's yucky. Yeah. What is your favorite springtime activity? Taking my wife to dinner 
after we clean out the garage. All right. <laughs> you know? I like so, that. I need so to hit up my husband on that yeah, one. That's kind of a spring cleaning activity. Okay. Next week is the 100-year anniversary of the state capitol cornerstone being placed. Tell us your favorite place in the capitol. You know, it's just a beautiful building. Any place in the capitol is uh, spectacular. I hope people take the opportunity, if they have not, to come up and go on one of the tours. It's, a, it's just a spectacular building. I actually really like my formal office. It's clean, number mm-hmm. one, and we entertain a lot of people there, and it's decorated nice, and, and I enjoy a little peace and quiet in there. Okay, one of the questions we didn't get in, we didn't have time for, was a guy who wanted to know, do we really need so many new laws? You know, the answer is no. Uh, that's uh, the truth. We we passed probably too many. People feel like they need to do something. But the good news for the people out there is that of the 486 laws that we've passed, probably 85% of them passed unanimously. A lot of it's just housekeeping, cleanup, modifications here, improvement there, not anything too controversial. And so in spite of the large number, don't panic too much about uh, that because most of them are just common sense changes and modifications passed unanimously by Republicans and Democrats. Okay. And again, that number again for people who don't want to wait till next month for your to task. Yeah, it's our constituent services, and they can contact uh, constituent services at area code 801-538-1000. We have people standing by for your phone calls, and uh, you you can send your texts and emails and things. We do want to hear from the people out there so we can respond. You can also go to governor.utah.gov, Governor. Utah.gov to send in emails. Okay, Governor, thank you so much. And you've been listening to Let Me Speak to the Governor along the Utah Radio Broadcasters Network, and we'll see you again next month. If your furnace could talk, it might say, <laughs> I can't breathe, my airflow's all restricted, I'm overheating here, I'm wasting gas and breaking down, can't you help me out? Call a furnace's best friend, the tune-up experts at Whipple Service Champions at 444-FAST. Furnaces and air conditioners need deep tune-ups from experts once a year, not just just a checkup and a feather dusting. At Whipple Service Champions, we don't wing it. We are experts with a 26-point checklist. At just $49, the sooner you get it done, the better. Plus, just add $20, and we'll tune up your AC, too. It's time. That's just $69 for both the furnace and your AC. A proper precision tune-up lasts a whole year. You'll get a Whipple shoe cover wearing clean-cut, drug-tested, background-checked expert technician who doesn't look like you just got drugged in off the street. Still your best choice since 1947. Call 444 for fast. Whipple, they come eating